1: Welcome to the Daily Hammer, your daily news source when it comes to your when it comes to the Atlanta Braves as part of the Battery Power Podcast Network. My name is Sean Coleman. Hope wherever you are and wherever you are listening, you are having a terrific start to your Tuesday. Of course, you can find the Daily Hammer, the Battery Power Podcast, the Road to Atlanta Podcast, and the podcast to be named later, all at BatteryPower.com, at batter, Battery Power SBN across all forms of social media, and free on all podcast platforms. Wherever you choose to listen, that's where we'll be for free, just hit that subscribe button and you'll get the latest content when it's available. And now that the off season is here, there may not be as much information to talk about, but that doesn't mean that the content will not consistently be rolling out. So make sure, again, you hit that subscribe button when the latest edition of all the great podcasts from the Battery Power Podcast Network are available. My name's Sean Coleman. You can find me at StatsSAC on Twitter. When it comes to the Braves, here's the latest from Atlanta. And not to sound dramatic, I'm just going to be completely honest, I had a much different plan uh, in terms of uh, what content I wanted to talk about today when it came to the Braves. My hope, obviously, my preference, obviously, was to be talking about the Braves getting ready for the start of the NLCS, but unfortunately, that just was not the case as the Braves season ended with an 8-3 to loss to the Phillies this past Saturday, uh, losing three out of the four in the NLDS. Now, without a doubt, the season ended much sooner than I'm sure the players, the coaches, the franchise, and the fan base expected it to, wanted it to, what have you. There's no doubt about that. But with that being said, I, I will say a couple of things about the NLDS loss is that it- it's kind of simple to accept what occurred. It wasn't because of a bad call or a bad play or, you know, just it wasn't in heartbreaking fashion. The Braves just got simply outplayed. You know, the Padres and the Phillies are the teams that are in the NLCS this year, and they're the two latest examples of what is a decades-old truth that it's not about the team, it's not about the best team on paper when it comes to the Major League playoffs, it's which teams are playing the best baseball. The Braves were a perfect example of that last year. They went and won the World Series. Well, this year, the Padres and Phillies, despite the fact they're the final two seeds in the National League bracket... They're playing the best baseball, and that's why they're in the NLCS. So, though it's not fun to accept it, in my opinion, it's pretty simple to accept. The Braves' starting pitching was nowhere nowhere near it needed to be. Unfortunately, it seems like injuries played a bigger part than many expected into the performance of many of our starters. And some of the Braves' best bats, Dansby and Austin and Michael Harris, they just were not able to, to find their groove during the series. And... The Braves simply lost because the Phillies were playing better baseball. And, you know, also, you know, going into, you know, reaction, how much does it sting? How, how frustrating is it? I'll admit, you know, some others did on, across social media, and I think that there's logic to this. I feel like that you know, hey, it was heartbreaking in 2019. It was heartbreaking in 2020 when you felt the Braves should have gone to the NLCS and when you felt that the Braves should have gone to the World Series those years. After winning the World Series last year, it's it's not, it doesn't sting as much, I guess would be the way to put it. Because, you know, we we've, we've won it. We won it last year. Don't get me wrong. I badly want to win it each year for the next 10 years. But after going through it, so many years in a row, you come to realize just how hard it is to be able to repeat, just how hard it is to get back to the World Series year after year. There's a reason why there hasn't been a repeat champion, you know, in over, you know, in over two decades. And I know that the Astros, for instance, have been to, what, six straight ALCS um, Championship Series, but they've only won one World Series in that time frame. So it's very hard to win every single year. And with the fact that we've already won one, that coupled with the fact that we're set up basically better than any team in baseball to be in this position for years to come, you come to realize it sucks, it's frustrating, but we're in a good position to find ourselves back here year after year. So don't get me wrong like anybody else, disappointed, much preferred the Braves to win. They should have won. I don't think anybody's going to tell you that with more confidence than the players and the coaches. It unfortunately, just was not there this year. And so now the attention turns to the offseason. And with that in mind, I do think there are some significant storylines to follow when it comes to the Braves. Now, these storylines may not be that exciting. Because With the team building that the Braves have done, you know, in in 18 and 19, and then with some of the extensions that they've signed players to in 20 and 21 and now 22, this Braves roster is not going to have a lot of turnover. There's not as many, you know, roster questions or roster turnover expectations with the Braves as there may be with older teams or with other contenders. So that kind of limits... You know, the excitement of storylines that are potentially out there this offseason, but that doesn't mean that there's not significant ones. And I think that that's where we start. The first storyline that that really stands out to me is that the Braves don't need to do anything drastic. Now, there's a couple of very important roster decisions that they'll need to make. We'll discuss that in just a moment, but nothing as drastic is needed from this team. Alex Anthopoulos took the avenue that he did with this team, holding on to young talent in and 17 and 18 and 19, resisting making trades to go all in, like many of us, including myself, had hoped he would do. He held on to the Braves' young talent, he made astute moves to add to it, and now he has heavily invested in it. And it's led to the Braves having good chances at World Series titles in 2020 and 2021, and on paper, being having one of the best chances this year. So Alex Adopoulos has taken the smart road of investing in his young talent. He's now invested in it for years to come. So he's never given the indication that there needs to be drastic turnover. Like you could see some front offices do you know, if they had a disappointing end to the season. So the first significant storyline is this, is that there's not anything really drastic that needs to be done. Though the Braves did not accomplish what they had hoped to accomplish in 2022, with the amount of talent that they've got coming back for years to come, you simply continue to bet on that talent. And you feel confident that you're going to get to where you want to get multiple times moving forward to hopefully, hopefully had another few World Series titles to the one you won in 2021. So that's the first storyline, is that there shouldn't be much change based off a lot of the roster. The big storyline off the field in 2022 is just how much Alex Anthopoulos and the Braves front office invested in the young talent of this team. That results, and they're not needing to be a lot of drastic change. Go with what got you there this year and hope that talent will win out more often than not and the Braves will be able to advance in the playoffs for years to come. With that being said, though, if there is one storyline that obviously is going to be uh, the most heavily followed and for good reason, it's what is in store for the Braves at the shortstop position moving forward. And simply this, they have the most logical option already in place, and that is retaining Dansby Swanson. You know, over the past two months, when, you know, we started seeing this flurry of of activity where the Braves were signing players to extensions left and right. It was, you know, mentioned, rumored, that the Braves and Dansby sponsor were also talking extension. And then, before the season, now, the same story has proven true. The Braves want Dansby to stay, and Dansby wants to stay. This very much, in a lot of ways, is similar to the Freddie Freeman situation a year ago. And as we all know, with how that turned out. Even though both parties want to work out a deal to where the player remains with the franchise, it does not always work that way. And to Dansby's credit, I think that he honestly would have done himself a disservice had he looked to sign an extension and potentially taken what could have been a discount with the Braves. Now, he may still do that. And if he does, great. But Dansby has an argument that he's been a top 10, arguably top five shortstop in the game since the start of the 2020 season. And just last offseason, despite the lockout occurring, Dansby Swanson saw players such as Trevor Story get a six-year, $140 million commitment from the Red Sox, or Javier Baez get a six-year, $160 million commitment from the Tigers. Now, Baez and Story, in their careers, may have reached higher ceilings than Swanson. But in a sport that very much is about what have you done for me lately, it's hard to argue that of those three players, Swanson has been the most impressive player. Swanson has had the best track record over the past few seasons. And when you compare him to the rest of his peers, he stands out as one of the best shortstops in the game. So Swanson was smart, in my opinion, despite how much he may want to stay in Atlanta. In terms of a payday for himself, which he rightfully should be you know, ranking as the most important thing when it comes to his, you know, future. Dansby Swanson was right to have options, to have as much leverage as possible. Because if Story got six years 140 and Baez got six years 160, it's not out of the realm of possibility where Dansby could ask for the same that Freddie got, for instance. Freddie got six years 165 million with with some deferments. Dansby could ask for that or more, based off what shortstops made last year. So with that being said, perhaps the odds are that Dansby Swanson is going to remain in Atlanta and the Braves get a deal done with him. But with how good Dansby has been over the past few seasons and the need for shortstop across the majors, there's a chance that some t- all it takes is one team to offer a deal that Dansby cannot say no to. And then the Braves are looking for a replacement. And that, you know, is the other part of the storyline. If it's not Dansby, if he signs elsewhere, then what becomes of the shortstop position? I don't think that the answer is internal. I don't think it's a move in Ozzie Albies to um, shortstop or that Von Grissom is the long-term answer at shortstop, in my opinion. You do have other options that are out there, such as Trey Turner, Xander um, Z- Bogarts, uh, Carlos Correa. Perhaps the Braves make a big splash other than Dansby Swanson at the position. Perhaps the Braves make a trade that for a player that they feel could be their long-term answer. There's a lot of different options that are out there, especially if Swanson signs elsewhere. So without a doubt, due to the caliber of player that Swanson is, how important he is to this Braves core, and obviously playing one of the most important positions on the diamond, the biggest storyline for the Braves by far is is going to be what the future of their their shortstop position holds, and whether that is Danzy Sponson or another person who becomes the option there for the Braves long-term. But besides that major roster decision, the Braves also really have some things to focus on when it comes to other young talents, that will hopefully return to form in 2023. That, to me, is another significant storyline this offseason, as the Braves hope that they'll have more reliable depth in many positions in 2023 and beyond.
0: Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge? That takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N 29.com.
1: While the Braves, unfortunately, will not have a chance to defend and repeat as 2022 World Series champions after winning the World Series title in 2021, while they fell short of their ultimate team goal— One thing to watch out for in the coming weeks is several players on the Braves on an individual basis will likely be in the running for some major awards when it comes to Major League Baseball, and those announcements started on Monday as it was announced that Austin Riley is among eight finalists for the NL Hank Aaron Award for the most outstanding offensive player, along with Riley, Mookie Betts, and Freddie Freeman, Pete Alonzo, Kyle Schwarber, Paul Goldschmidt, Nolan... Paul Goldschmidt, Nolan Arenado of the Cardinals, and the Padres' Manny Machado. Those eight players will be the candidates for the 2022 NL Hank Aaron award winner. Is it likely that Austin Riley wins that award? Probably not. He may finish in the top half of voting, but Riley... And several other players should hear their names multiple times be up for awards, just like we talked about, you know, last year after the Braves won the World Series title. This year, just because they didn't go as far in the playoffs as they might like, several Braves should have chances to to see their individual contributions this season recognized. Perhaps the most intriguing and the most exciting is seeing who eventually will win the 2022 National League Rookie of the Year Award, which should come down to Spencer Strider versus Michael Harris. But continuing our storylines outside of seeing which Braves could be up for some individual awards, another storyline that stands out is question marks around the Braves' starting rotation. Now, without a doubt, the Braves had a lot of success in 2022 when it came to their starting rotation. As I have mentioned before, this was the best team ERA that the Braves have had since 2014, and this Braves team had 131 more strikeouts as a staff than any other version of the Braves had had previously In franchise history. A big reason for that is strikeout talent in the bullpen, and of course, the emergence of Spencer Strider as one of the best young strikeout artists we've seen in decades in baseball. But the question now becomes can the success of many different parts of the starting rotation be sustained going into 2023? Obviously, you have to feel Max Reed is going to be among the best pitchers in baseball once again, but he has taken on heavier workloads as time has gone on. Not necessarily saying that contributed to him being less than ideal once the NLDS arrived, but that perhaps is something for the Braves to, con- to continue to monitor. They did a good job, in my opinion. To help their, several of their starting pitchers not log as many innings in the second half of the season, perhaps they continue to fine-tune that approach so that they can keep arms like Max Freed, Charlie Morton, and others as fresh as possible once future post-seasons arrive. The other thing that stands out is Charlie Morton. I think the Braves, it made sense. With the money that Atlanta has to spend, it made sense to invest in at least having a reliable innings eater that Charlie Morton can be. You know that he has the ability to pitch well in big game situations. But we also know that this year there was a lot more inconsistency. This year, Charlie Morton was not as reliable as he has been in the past. And though he has aged very well because he just simply did not have as much usage in his arm when he was younger, at some point in time, father time remains undefeated. You hope that doesn't result in Charlie Morton just falling off a cliff but you also have to think that the Braves clearly understand that they may not be able to expect Charlie Morton to pitch in an ace-like level for much of the regular season and then in the playoffs. So watching him next year, seeing if he continues to, you know, be inconsistent, that may be something to watch as well. And then despite the breakout years of Kyle Wright and Spencer Strider, can they both sustain sustain that success? The majors have now had a year of being able to look at the stuff of Strider and the stuff of Kyle Wright. And when it came to Kyle Wright, for instance, he eventually started to regress a bit as the season went on. Don't get me wrong. Still had an outstanding season. But the point is, is that I think it's fair to say, while both should be very productive, very good pitchers next year, will they be able to produce at the same level? That they did in 2022. So while the Braves do have the chance to be one of the best starting rotations in 2023, I also feel that there are some relevant questions when it comes to each of the starters that the Braves will be focused on getting better answers to once 2023 comes along. And then beyond the starting rotation, there obviously is the bullpen as well. One of the best bullpens in the majors, once again. Obviously, they uh, they had basically a one ERA going into the NLDS from September 15th on during the regular season. But the thing is, is that you've got several veterans in the bullpen that while they are reliable, you have to wonder, okay, is the mileage on their arms something that the Braves need to start considering? Probably not so much. Rysell Iglesias, Colin McHugh, um, AJ Minter, Dylan Lee... All of those options are still going to be available, and that makes for a very good back end of the bullpen with plenty of options that the Braves can use. But what about getting the Braves starters bridged to that back end of the bullpen, where you're not having to rely on it so much? Well, a couple of options that the Braves had in the past now may not be available. Though Luke Jackson missed this year with Tommy John surgery, he may not be available to pitch on a regular basis until the All-Star break of next year. Tyler Matzik, unfortunately, is not available next year. So that's two important cogs of previous bullpens that are are not going to be available in 2023. Perhaps you re-sign Kenley Jensen. Could another young pitcher emerge like Dylan Lee did this year? Maybe a William Woods or someone along those lines. But I do think that if there's one place that the Braves could add multiple talents, it is the bullpen. Because Though they have some reliable options, we we haven't mentioned Kirby Yates, who though he signed for 2023, it's kind of up in the air about how effective he can be since he struggled once he came back at the end of 2022. How reliable are the Braves' current options in the bullpen, and what will the Braves do to add? Maybe they'll take some flyers on some young talents they feel could blossom in Atlanta. So yes, the pitching staff remains remains a strength of the team. I think from top to bottom, from the starters to the relievers, the Braves still will have one of the stronger overall pitching staff in the majors in 2023, but I do think there are also relevant questions to be asked this offseason for the Braves to try to address when it comes to depth finds. And that leads me to my final storyline is perhaps the most important way for the Braves to be able to add depth, for the Braves to be able to add intriguing options if other options were to potentially fall off in 2023, is getting several of their young but intriguing talents back to form in 2023. We talk about players such as Ozzie Albies. We talk about Mike Soroka. We talk about Ian Anderson and others. All three of those players, Either experienced significant injuries that did not allow for them to have you know anywhere near you know the playing time that they had hoped in 2022, or they were very inconsistent when it came to their performance. But in the case of Anderson, Soroka, and Albies, all three of them ended the season with not necessarily injury concerns, but their but a, a less than ideal season for all three of them ended due to injury. But the thing is, is that despite the fact that Mike Soroka has missed two seasons due to two Achilles injuries, and despite the fact that Ozzy Albies was having his worst offensive season of his career in 2022, Andy and Ian Anderson struggles, there's no doubt that each of those three talents could play big roles for the Braves moving forward. You would love for the Braves to have Two very ideal options, very logical options for their fifth starter spot between Soroka and Ian Anderson as we enter 2023. And then beyond that, you've got Bryce Elder, you've got Kyle Muller, and others who could provide very enviable depth for the Braves to be able to use to where they can help their pitchers manage their innings better in 2023. Or if one of the, you know, reliable options in 2022 gets injured, now you've got someone who can step up and replace him. A big goal for the Braves, a big storyline for the Braves, you know, for me personally, is can they get some young co- contributors from the past back on track? Don't get me wrong. Ozzie Albies, still without a doubt, is nobody's questioning that he's the second baseman of the future. He's one of the most important Braves moving forward when it comes to the success of this core. And Ian Anderson and Mike Soroka, in my opinion, still have the talent to be very effective pitchers. It's just how quickly can each of these players get back to that level. Plus, Bryce Elder, Kyle Muller, maybe some unexp- an unexpected talent or two who could make a contribution. That, to me, is something that's really going to stick out as a storyline for the Braves. How effective will they be in helping some intriguing talents from the past return back to form? And if you get Ian Anderson, Mike Soroka, and Ozzie Albies and you were close to where they were before they got injured or before last year, then you've really, really got some depth to support what you already have in terms of one of the best rosters in baseball. So not doing anything drastic. Figuring out the shortstop position, whether it's Dansby or it's another individual moving forward. Addressing the sustainability of the pitching staff and and finding answers in case there are question marks. And also helping some of the injured young talents in the franchise get back to form. Those are four storylines that stand out to me as what will define the Braves 2022-2023 offseason. Can't thank you enough for joining us here on the Daily Hammer. You can find myself, Sean Coleman, at StatsSAC on Twitter. You can find the Daily Hammer podcast, the Battery Power podcast, Road to Atlanta podcast, and the podcast to be named later all at BatteryPower.com, at BatteryPowerSBN, across all forms of social media, and free on all podcast platforms. Just hit that subscribe button, and you'll get the latest content when it's available. My name's Sean Coleman. It's a pleasure to have been with you again. We will talk with you multiple times most most weeks during the offseason. Again, I wish we could be talking about Braves baseball, but hope you enjoy the playoff baseball that's there. We'll talk to you again soon here on The Daily Hammer.